prayer here. God, thank you so much just for the opportunity we have to be here together. And Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the time of worship. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and just praise you, Lord, for who you are. We ask that you would truly move in each one of our hearts this morning, that you would touch our lives in a very powerful and very specific way. In Jesus' name, amen. ever think about time, how important time is to our lives? I mean, even just walking around just for a few seconds, you're all sitting there going, what's he doing? Has he, did, he forget his, did he forget what he was going to say? You're all a little panicked for me. You're all like, what's happening? He's not saying anything. Usually he jumps right into it. Uh, time is so important. So timing in our lives is so significant. I've had experiences in my life where timing was everything. There have been times in my life where I literally could have died if it wasn't for the right timing and how I did certain things. I won't get into all of them. I'm going to share one story with you this morning about that kind of timing in my life. Deb and I lived in Massachusetts. We lived in Florida. We got, when we got married, we were in New York finishing school um, when our first uh, job was actually in Florida, in Sarasota, Florida. Um, but before that, we were in Gainesville. Debbie's grandparents owned a house right on the lake. I love to fish, okay? So I'm talking like your backyard is a giant lake. It was so incredible. And we moved from there, from Sarasota to Massachusetts, and we were at a church in Massachusetts. And, uh, but we wanted to go back to that house for a vacation. So we went back down to Florida and it was a nice time of year. And, and, uh, we were deciding the last day, let's go out on the fishing boat and let's just troll in this small fishing boat and, you know, try to catch some fish. And the girls were with us. They were very, very young, but they had stopped napping at that point. I mean, you know, it was so interesting because they, for the last few months, they wouldn't nap. And so we thought we'll just take them with us. But that day, for some reason, they decided that they're going to nap. And so they were, they were napping. And so we went out in this, this small boat with this guy, Robert, who was our next door neighbor. He had a small fishing boat. It was, a, it was a motor on there, not a very big motor. But then he had a little trolling motor, a little trolling fishing motor. And he just kind of putts around the lake a little bit and you try to catch fish. And we were fishing and I, I had hooked a bass. It was probably, you know, it was a very large fish. I, you know, I was pulling the boat around a little bit. You know, it's really hard. But I, you know, with the strength that I had. I, and so, and uh, so I had this bass on the line and we were fishing. It was great. And this guy started coming around in a speedboat, it was a very large speedboat because it could pull two skiers. They had two large engines on the back of their boat. And they came around, the, 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 the whole lake was shaped like a kidney. And so they would come around the corner. As they came around, they were lined up with our boat a little bit off to the left, but close enough that when they went by us, within seconds, our boat started, you know, in the waves. They, their, their wake was unbelievable. And I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with you people? You have the entire lake 
and you're, you know, pulling two skiers and they're from like here to, you know, right past this little pole here, maybe five feet past the pole. That's pretty close when you're pulling two skiers. There was a person in the boat who was going, you know, who was steering. And then there was a spotter in the back of the boat as well. So they come around. Well, second time around, we're fishing, though I've still got this huge fish on the line. And they come around again and, I'm, and, they're, and they're, they're again lined up with this. And I, I kept on thinking, you know, why not go off to the side at least, you know, 100 yards or so. You got the whole lake. And they came so close the second time around that the spray from their boat hit us. And I was concerned first as they're coming, I'm thinking they're going to spray us. They're going to swamp us again. They're going to cut my line. Moby Dick's going to get away. It's going to be terrible, you know. And so, it, you know, I, that went on. And then the third time around, they were 300 yards away. And we looked as we're fishing and our little trolling motor, and they were directly in line with our boat. And I thought to myself, man, that's going to be, they're going to be way too close this time. I mean, we just, I just reel the line in and whatever, because it's just way too close. I don't understand why can't they see where they're going. What I realized when they're about 200 yards away is that the, the, the person steering the boat was looking at the skiers and the spotter was looking at the skiers and no one was looking forward for at least a minute. In a boat that size, in a lake like that, to not look forward for that long is obviously irresponsible. It got closer and closer, and all of a sudden you're thinking, wait, they're still lined up directly with us. And again, we're just floating there. We don't have a a motor. We can just get out of the way. And that large boat came toward us, and as it came toward us, Deb was on one side of the boat. I was on the other. Robert's in the back of the boat with a little putt-putt motor. And I said to Deb, they're going to hit us. We need to jump. We need to get ready to jump. And so she was on the one side. I was on the other side. I was on the right-hand side. And as as the boat came toward us, it was right about where that wall is. I basically stood on the side of the boat. And as it got right maybe 10 feet away, it was flying. I jumped out of the boat. So I'm in midair now. And they say time stops in those situations. I've been in multiple situations like that. Time does slow down. Your brain slows down. Thinks all kinds of interesting things. So I'm in midair thinking to myself, if that boat turns to my side, it's going to hit me while I'm in midair and I'm fish bait. So I'm basically saying, please, God, don't let this boat hit me while I'm in midair. When I hit the water, as I'm going, as I'm in midair, the boat actually crashes into our boat while I'm in midair. So I hear the crash. I hit the water and I'm thinking propellers, skiers, water skiers, you know, the boat itself, all kinds of things could hit you in the head in the water. In in a boat accident like ours, 50% of the people die in boat accidents like that because obviously you're in the water and someone hits you or, you know, a propeller gets you or something. I hit the water and my first reaction was to get as deep as I could. So I just made, I just went like this and pushed myself as far down as I could get to get away from all the debris that would be in the water. The moment I did that first swoop, I thought, okay, I jumped out. Deb's on the other side. I'm sure she jumped out, but I didn't know that. I didn't know if she jumped out. So I started to panic and I started coming out of the water screaming to see if she was okay. And what had happened was she said that when the boat was coming toward her, she was afraid that it was going to move to, it looked like it was going to move to her side. So she ducked down and the boat came and hit our boat, knock Robert under, it was only two seats, knock Robert under one of the seats where he was, you know, he was pushed down. It hit Deb in the head and, and, the, and the hip and knocked her under the other seat. It hit our boat. It pushed our boat forward a long way. It sunk the boat underwater and then it slid off and our boat came back up. Well, I, 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 the water just, 
absolutely panicked. And I, but I saw Deb, and she was alive. And so I saw her, and I was just... But I looked at the back of the boat, and Robert was cut underneath his throat. It wasn't, didn't cut his throat, it cut, cut underneath. But he was bleeding profusely, and I was yelling to him, Robert, look up. Robert, can you hear me? He was, I think, in shock. And, and so we, everyone survived the boat accident. And, and someone said in the first service, you didn't tell the end. What happened to the people who hit you? They were all drunk. And no one was looking forward. And so I mean, I don't know how you drive a boat that size with skiers on there. At one point, the skier, one of the water skiers had to pull up not to run into a dock when they were pulling that person. So they almost ran directly into a dock. If they didn't pull up and pull back, they would run into the dock. So they weren't paying attention. And nothing happened to them because in state law in Florida, there's blah, 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 yada, yada. So they got a $5 ticket and almost killed three people. Um, but the idea, though, that in life, timing, the idea of leaping in a situation where you're in midair when something happens, timing is so significant in every area of our lives. Think about, think about, think about timing when it comes to, for example, telling a joke, move away from life-threatening kind of timing to other timing. You tell a joke, the timing of a joke, right? Some people are amazing at telling jokes because of the timing, They have this perfect timing when it comes to getting out of the stock market. Timing is very important. If you got out of the stock market in 2007 at just the right time, you probably saved a lot of money. If not, you lost a lot of money. Think about timing, if you will, in sports, in different sports, in basketball. When you go up for a rebound, if your timing is not right, you miss it. You don't get it. You don't get the rebound because your timing's off. You're coming down while the ball is going up, and so you miss that. If you think about, I love, I love football. In football, I love the Bengals, and I love the Giants. And the Giants in the NFC and the Bengals in the AFC. If the Giants would have handled their timing better in the first two games, they would have won both of those games. But they didn't manage the time well. In the game against Arizona a few weeks ago, in the fourth quarter, if they'd have run the ball on third and three and run the clock down, they may have won that game. Time management, timing on everything. You remember Roger, most people maybe don't remember Roger Maris. Roger Maris was an amazing baseball player. And he hit 61 home runs in a season. He was the all-time leader in home runs for a season until some juiced-up guys who were on steroids passed him. He should still have the record, okay? Just Jeff Greer's opinion, but he should still have the record because the three people who passed him cheated, okay? So Roger Maris was the greatest home run hitter of all time when it comes to one season. Him, Babe Ruth, and people were saying, well, he played in second service. First service, they were kind of saying, well, Babe Ruth played less games. Okay, he played less games. I understand that. Maris and Ruth, 60, I think, in 61. So they asked Roger Maris, what is, the, what is the key to hitting a lot of home runs like that in a season? And Roger Maris's answer was, it, he didn't talk about power, bat speed and power. He didn't talk about anything, but when it, came, when it comes to power, he said, split second timing. Split second timing. Timing is everything. When it comes to sports, timing is everything most of the time when it comes to our lives. How about the importance of our daily lives? How many people have been in a situation where you got held up at work or you got held up at school or you got held up by someone and you thought, oh, my goodness, I just want to get home. But then you're driving down the road and you right in front of you, something tragic happens. There's a terrible accident that happened minutes before There's a big pile up or whatever. And you think to yourself, you know, if I would have left work just a, a minute earlier, 
I would have been all involved in that. Or seconds earlier, that would have happened to me. Deb and I were going to a wedding only two, about a month and a half, two months ago. We're going to the wedding, and the person came up the on-ramp, R75. They came up the ramp on the wrong side of the road. They took the wrong side going on to the 75. That kills people all the time. And we, you know, we, we went, we came around the curve. It was kind of, we were getting off. We came around, we saw them and they were, they stopped and they were trying to back up and turn the other direction. And I thought, man, bummer for them. That's, you know, thank God that, you know, they at least recognize. And so we went to the wedding, we came back around, but I realized coming home, that curve is so sharp. You can't see anyone coming up the other direction. I said to Dev, if it was only a few more seconds, 30, 40 seconds more, we could have run because we were in that lane head on into that car earlier earlier today if you have if you have uh, preschoolers you know how how amazing it is when it comes to preschoolers you understand what can happen in just a few seconds or less than a minute if you turn your back on them deb and i were getting we lived in massachusetts and and jen was about three years old and so we were we were uh coming out of the car we just got grocery shopping and we let her out of her car seat and she was just in the car and she was in the car seat but we let her out so she could just sit there and we went and grabbed the groceries i'm talking 30 seconds had gone by we went she's gone out of the car and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're panicked because you're thinking you weren't looking because you were getting the groceries. And, and you're thinking, my thought was, who grabbed my child and ran off with her? I started running down the road. Our house was right on like an intersection. I started running down the road looking at who took my child. And Deb was panicked. She ran in the house. She was looking all around, was screaming for Jen. And it was, I mean, we're talking seconds. Where could she have gone? Someone big had to grab her and run off with her. She comes toddling around the car. Stand there. All she did was walk around. She was so small, we didn't see her, but she walked right around the car. It took a couple seconds. But you, you've been there, right? You just turn your back for a second, and they're, and they're just gone. Timing. It doesn't take very long to change your entire life. Timing makes all the difference. Just ask someone who got out of the Twin Towers right before they collapsed, if timing is not important. You know, I'll tell you. Um, one sixty second interval of time placed at just the right moment can make all the difference in the world, right? It can make all the difference in the world. Our theme during this series, we're in a new series, Miracle Moments. Our theme during this series is experiencing the miracles of Christmas. That's the theme. We want to experience the miracle, uh, the, the miracles, if you will, of Christmas. We spend so much of our time during this, this part of the year running from here to there and setting up this and buying stuff and making sure we have the parties and getting everywhere. And it's just, it's just, we, our staff had their Christmas, our Christmas party on, I think, November 22nd. Because we looked at our calendars and said, when else are we going to do it? We're going to have to do it before Thanksgiving if we're all going to get together. It's so busy. And we run around doing so many things, involved in so many activities, that I don't think we, we, we think about or we, 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 we really process through the miracles that happened that first Christmas. We don't get a chance to just focus on that first Christmas. This year, I want to pause. I just want us to pause and reflect on the significant moments of Christ's birth. So for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to reflect on those incredible moments of Christ's birth. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it says, But when the set time had fully come, 
When, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. The Bible says when, God, when God's perfect time, if you will, had fully come, at just the right time, God sent his son. Not willy-nilly, not, well, you know, today looks like a good day. At just the perfect time, the set time, the set time, God in his perfect timing sent his son. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at God's perfect timing. I want to look at three miracles of God's perfect timing. Some miracles of God's perfect timing. Number one, number one, he came at just the right time in history. You think about that. You know, these are things that we don't get to reflect on during this season because we're so we're reflecting on so many other things that honestly don't really matter. But the, historically, he came at just the right time in history. The Bible says when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. The coming of Jesus Christ into the world was not a matter of just chance or coincidence. It didn't just happen. When the set time had fully come, when that time had come that God had chosen, Jesus Christ was sent into the world. If you look at history at the time of Jesus, I mean, start thinking about this from a historical perspective. If you look at the timing of Jesus' birth, there were many people in the Roman Empire who were anticipating, who were looking forward to a deliverer. Think about that. Rome had basically taken over the world. And people at that time were looking for a deliverer. The false religions of the day were dying or dead. So you had these false religions that were around. They were gone. The philosophies of the day were empty and powerless. People had this desire. They had this, this, this spiritual desire. They were kind of reaching out and longing for. People were spiritually hungry. And in that process, many false religions were just popping up. They were coming and going and coming and going. And it's in that environment. The table had been set for the arrival of God's son. From a historical perspective, you think about it. The Roman Empire had helped prepare the world for the birth of Jesus Christ. All these things don't happen by chance. The Roman Empire puts in... Think about this. What does it say? All roads lead to where? All roads lead to Rome. Cities were connected at that point because of the Roman Empire. Cities were connected, making it easier to travel. Before that, you couldn't travel the same way. So now the world opens up. All roads lead to Rome because all these cities were now connected by roads. So you had the connections of the roads. You think about you think about this as well. The Roman laws protected Roman citizens. So these Roman citizens could travel anywhere they wanted to travel. So Roman law protected Roman citizens and the Roman soldiers protected the peace. So you could travel around all different parts of the world. Because of the because of the influence of both Rome and Rome and Greek, because of the Roman and Greek influence, many people, a lot of people around the world now spoke Latin and Greek. 
So for the first time, people would speak a common language and you could communicate. Now the cities were connected. Now the Romans were in a position where they can control the laws and protect people. And now you had the, the, the roads were open. You had a common language where people could then communicate. If you think about this, you go do a study, okay, on Paul. And see how his, because he was a Roman citizen, how that influenced his ability, okay, the ability to go all over the world and preach the gospel. Paul used his Roman citizenship to go all over the world and preach the gospel. God's timing is perfect. His timing historically is absolutely perfect. At just the right time, at just the right moment in history, God sent his son. But the reality is most people missed it. So many people were blind to the miracle. So, so, so many people didn't recognize the significance of Christ's birth at the time. All the things that were going on, again, the Roman oppression, the Jews at the time. The Bible, the Old Testament is filled with, with, with messianic prophecies. Messianic prophecies, it's filled with it. So they're anticipating a Messiah to come. But in their thoughts, they were, they were thinking through and they were thinking about the Messiah is going to come because of the culture in which they live, which is always a mistake to look at the Bible in context of just your culture all the time. But they were looking at the culture at the time in the Ro- under Roman oppression and they were waiting for this conquering king to come, this Messiah to come in and, and to basically deliver them from the, from the hands of the Romans. So they're looking for this, this, this warrior to come in and to deliver them from Roman oppression. So they missed it. You have them missing this. Many others were just too busy, honestly, to be thinking about some young girl giving birth in a stable in Bethlehem. So many people miss it. So my question to all of us this morning is, are we too busy? Are we too preoccupied to see the miracle of Christ in Christmas? Are we just too busy with all the things that are going on around? Are we just getting too preoccupied with all the parties and all the, all the things that need to be accomplished and all the decorating and all the whatever? Are we, are we too busy to, are too preoccupied to really see the miracle of Christ at Christmas? Are we going to miss it? We don't want to miss it. That's why I just want to stop and reflect during this time because I don't want us to miss it. Second, God provided his gift at just the right time. God provided his gift of Jesus Christ at just the right time. For some people, this season is going to be business as usual. You know, you, you come in, boy, it's just, uh, you know, from, th- from Thanksgiving all through Christmas to 26, you sit on that lounge chair and you're like, oh, we made it through another year. It's going to be business as usual. But for some other people in this room and around you, You're going through some really challenging circumstances. You're facing some really challenging dilemmas. You're feeling a little bit over overwhelmed. And the challenges are so overwhelming that for you to get through this season is going to take a miracle. That's what you're thinking. 
for me to even get through, forget all the hustle and bustle of all things we have to accomplish. There are struggles that are going on in your life. The thoughts about so-and-so coming for dinner, all these things, the struggles of your past or things you're going through financially or whatever the case may be. Those are so overwhelming to you. The idea of getting through this season along with the stresses that you have on top of that, you're thinking it's going to take a miracle to get me through this. If that's you, I have some really, really good news. God's timing is still perfect today. God's timing is still absolutely perfect today. God knows exactly what you personally are going through right now. He knows exactly what you're going through and he knows exactly what you need. He knows what you need. At just the right time, God is there. We just need to re- we just need to focus and reach out to him at ju- just what we need at just the right time. He is there in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Listen to these words. If you have your Bible, I mean, underline it, write it down a little piece of paper, go home, read it, underline it in your Bible. This is a great verse for all of us. Apply this to your life right now. It says, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Some of you need a miracle in your life right now. You need a miracle in your life. And, 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 and you need a miracle because you, you've run out of ideas. You've run out of resources. You, 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 you've tried everything and, and, and nothing seems to be working. And so you feel like you're alone. You feel like you're not going to make it through. But let me tell you something. This is the miracle and gift of Jesus Christ. This is the miracle and the gift of Jesus Christ. You are not alone. You are not alone. Reach out to him during this season of your life. He is there. His timing is perfect. You need him. He's there. Hold on to him. Grasp him. Let him carry you through this time. He's the same God as the God in history. His perfect timing is is in this day, on this day, in December 2015. His timing is still perfect. Number three, now is the right time to change. Now, right now is the right time to change. It seems we're always waiting. Think about this. It seems that we're always waiting for the right time to do something. Waiting for the right time. You know, you want to, you feel like God has been leading you and calling you and, 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 and drawing you, but you're thinking, you know, now's not the right time because I need to be better. I need to get my act together. I need to stop doing, I need to curse less. I need to drink less. I need to do this less. And once I, once I get these things in place, then I will be better. Okay. I'll be more acceptable somehow to God and then I'll do it then. That's better timing. And so we wait for the perfect time to give. Oh, in my portfolio, once I get my portfolio, oh, the better time. We wait for the perfect time to give. We wait for the perfect time to serve. We wait for the perfect time to share what's on our heart with that person that means so much to us. I, have the, I had the privilege when I was 17 years old. I've told you my testimony, so I won't go into that. But here, a little piece of that. When I first started going to church, this girl, Patty, invited me to church. And, and I'm going to jump further once I asked all the questions. And I really loved the students that were a part of that youth ministry at Park Church. 
in New York. I love them. And one of the most amazing things about that church, they had a, a youth choir. It was an incredible 50, 60 kids in this youth choir. They were amazing. I would go and part of youth group was getting there early and they would have choir practice first and then we'd have youth group afterwards. Well, first off, I thought to myself, you're not a choir boy, okay? I was far from a choir boy. And I'm not, that's not a derogatory thing. I just didn't think I fit because I didn't even talk for the first five or six months when I went to church. I talked as little as possible. People thought I was shy, believe it or not. And the reason I didn't talk was because I was afraid to cuss. I cussed so much before I was a Christian. When I first started going to church, I was, it just would just slip out, you know, oh, that whatever blank and blank, you know. I, I, I just was afraid I would say it. So it took, me, it took me months to break that habit. So I was afraid to say it. At one point, Doris Olson, who was the choir director, she knew I'd, I was sitting out there just watching them. I always clapped. They were so wonderful. And she constantly encouraged me to be involved. She would encourage me. And she, why don't you just come on up? Why don't you just try to sing with us? And after a while, because she was so, um, of not, no, she was so, she was so pushy, you know what I mean? <laughs> In a good way. I love this woman. She's so amazing. She was so patient with me. She was so compassionate. She was so caring. She was so loving. And she slowly kind of drew me in and got me into the choir. And I started singing in the choir. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it. And one of, the, one of those, and this is basically, don't lose the train of thought here. Why don't we tell people what we think? Why don't we share from our hearts what we think about them? You think, oh, I'll have time next Christmas. I'll have time next year. Maybe, maybe not. Well, Doris Olson is retiring this morning. I'd love to have been there, but it just timing-wise for me as a pastor in December is really hard. She's retiring, and they asked me to write a letter. And in that letter, I wrote to her. I was reminded of a story that when I, when I was a, a, a baby believer, the idea of getting up in front of people, you have to understand, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about getting up in front of people. It was a, I was panicked at the idea. I, my, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see straight. It was so hard. Even when I first got into ministry, it was really, really hard for me. Because of that fear, the fear that came with me before I was a believer. And she, one, of the, one of the choir practices, she said, would anyone like to try to do a solo? And I thought, I'm comfortable with all these guys. So I just read, I thought she meant in practice. Okay? Because that's the way she said it. And, you know, my mind said, well, I, and I said, you know, I give it a shot. You know what I mean? I'll give it a try. She said, great, you do it. And so we went to the song and I sang in practice. And I did pretty well. I can carry a tune. You know, Jen gets it from me. No. So um, <laughs> I can carry a tune. So I, but then she said, well, you know, we'll keep, we'll practice this next week. And then we're going to sing in church next week. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Sing in church. What are you talking about? I was only practicing. No, she said, no, you, you raised your hand. Practice is over. You know what I mean? You're the solo. So I was. I, I worked at a kennel for years, and I, I, I'll tell you that whole week I was singing to the dogs. While I'm hosing out the poop and everything. I'm like, you know, singing my part over, and the dogs are like, "Holy moly, stop it!" So I, I was. I, I just practiced and practiced and practiced. But here's the cool thing: in that letter, I said to her, "You were the really the first person to get me up in front of people. Even though there was a lot of people around me, I did a solo. Everyone was looking at me, and, and she wouldn't let me back out of it." And really, I never looked back. That was the first, that was really the first opportunity that I had in front of people. And it was because of her. And then I told her, I said, everything, I want you to know that everything I've ever done in ministry before this letter and everything I will ever do after this letter have your fingerprints all over it. You had such a profound impact on my life because of who you were. 
We need to be telling the people that we love how we feel. You say, oh, we have time for this and I have time to give. No, how do you know? I have time to serve. How do you know? I have time to tell that person. I'll tell them, how do you know? I have time to grow in my faith. I have time to start really, really giving my life to Christ. I have time. I have time. Now is the time. You know, I'll give my life to, you know, next time, this time, whatever. Now, now is the time. Now is the time to reach out and give your life, to reach out to God and give your life to Christ. That's what he's saying to us this morning. Now is the time to give. Now is the time to serve. Now is the time to share. Now is the time to grow. Now is the time to really start living for Jesus Christ. And now is the time, right now, in this moment, is the time to stop talking about and thinking about truly dedicating your life to Jesus Christ. Now is the time to actually do it. Now is is the time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 it says, "I heard you in an acceptable time, and I helped you in the day of salvation. Look, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation." Here's what I want you to do. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me, but I want to please don't lose focus on the words that I'm speaking. Bow your heads with me, but don't lose focus. Because one choice, one moment in time can determine your eternal destiny. God's timing is perfect. My question is, how is yours? See, we want our lives to change, but the question is, are we willing to make the choices necessary to bring about that change? You can't do it on your own. You can't do it alone. You can't overcome that habit or that difficulty. You can't overcome that stress. You can't overcome all the things that are piled in your life by yourself. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to give those things over to him. Let him handle those things for you. Each one of us in our lives at some point have a decision to make. Will we follow Jesus Christ? Will we, as Galatian puts it, Receive adoption. Every single one of us, listen to my words, has been created by God and God loves us. Not every single one of us in this world is a child of God. You become a child of God when you choose to say, Father, adopt me into your family. I want to be your child. And if we don't, then we're going to continue down that same path. Will we see and accept the miracle of Christ or will it be business as usual? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. See, if you want a miracle, it starts with a choice. The choice to ask Christ into your life. The choice to accept, listen, to accept God's free gift of Jesus Christ. He gave you a gift. That's what Christmas is all about. He sent his son into the world as a gift. We are fallen sinners. We are separated from God because of sin. He is a perfect and holy God. Chris talked about this last week. And because of our sin, we're separated from him. But here's what the Bible says. Listen to the words. Listen to these words. Every word. Don't lose your train of thought. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Listen, through faith. This is not from yourselves. That means don't wait for yourself to get better. You're going to get better. You're going to get stronger. It's not something that you can do. It is not from yourself. It is the gift of God and not by works so that no one can boast. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave as a gift, his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, listen to the words, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you can, it's this simple. You think it can't be this simple. It can't, I got to do, I got to work my, no, it is this simple. If you can, it's a heart issue. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This morning, God is offering you this free gift. It is the first gift of Christmas. The, the, the first gift of Christmas was God the Father giving the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, to us. Now, now, today is the perfect time to receive it. I'm going to pray. And if it's your desire to follow Christ, to ask him to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, then when I'm finished praying, you don't have to pray it out loud, just pray it along silently with me. When you're finished praying, I want you to just come up. I want you to come up while we're singing this song, when we're finished, or come up after the service. Whatever you feel comfortable. I don't want you to feel terribly uncomfortable. So if you want to come up after, but here's what I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come up, and I have a gift I would like to give you as a reminder and a symbol of your decision this morning. I want you to have something, a physical, tangible gift as a reminder of the decision that you made this morning. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. All people. Stop waiting. He's offering us this free gift. God's made the offer. Now is the time to accept it. If that's your desire, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray it right along with me in your own heart. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I do confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you have raised him from the dead. I realize that I am a sinner. And I need your grace and I need the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I want to receive your gift of salvation this morning. I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, through the gift of your son, you would show me what my gifts are. That you would show me my purpose for life. My reason for living. So with the little I know, Lord God, with the little I know, I ask that you would come into my life. Help me to let go of the old and embrace the new. In Jesus' name. And with your head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, then sometime as this service is, is still going on or as we close out, I want you to come up as the band plays. We're going to sing this song. I want to blow the roof off this place as we sing this song. As a band plays, let's take... Let's let's take that gift. I want you to come up and take that gift. Physically take this gift and take it with you as a symbol and as a reminder of the miracle that has just taken place in your life. We will celebrate with you 
your salvation. This is your spiritual birthday. The old has gone. The new has come. You have been, as the Bible puts it, born again. Everything you've ever done in the past, every sin you've ever committed, every thought you've ever had that is not in alignment with God is now forgiven. You are starting over in your life. And we want to celebrate that with you. We want to celebrate that with you. Father, thank you. I pray, Lord God, that we would sing with all of our hearts and celebrate this season and the miracles, Lord God, that came with it. And I pray as the next four weeks go on, we would truly focus on you and not all this other stuff that we would take time to focus on you and the miraculous events that took place that first Christmas. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you for all those who gave their lives to Christ this morning. If there's anyone who's done that, Lord God, we know that angels are singing. And we want to sing too. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.